Well, good morning. Someone uh, asked me about the class and about uh, the size of it, and I said, uh, man, when we get to 144,000, <laughs> we'll be ready. But, uh, man, listen, we got room. We'll bring in chairs. We'll find a bigger room. I'm like the guy, we'll get a bigger boat, all right? So don't, don't worry about that. It is my, uh, my honor every Sunday to stand here and teach, and you guys are so wonderful and encouraging, and uh, just a great honor. I did want to uh, share a prayer request. I didn't get a chance to give this to Lynn before I got up here. Um, Roger and, and Nancy Bucco, Bucco, uh, Roger passed away this morning. And uh, such a sweet man. And um, last March, I had the privilege of baptizing him. And so Roger uh, passed away this morning. No details, of course, yet on the service. He and Nancy are members of the Transformers class. But uh, be praying for Nancy and for the family. I did see uh, Ellender, and she is in very, very good spirits and um, confident that with a prosthesis she'll be able to walk. And that was the goal, and so uh, just be praying for her. It is so good to see Marie up there in the back, and, and Ellen over here too. Good to have you back with us, Ellen. And, and I am just amazed at how they do surgery today, and, and you are in and you are out. They don't like to keep you, which really would be okay with me. Uh, because, you know, it's not the Hilton, is it? And uh, you want to get out as soon as what you can. Well, someone asked me, they said, uh, did you have this Bible study ready before the election? And the answer is yes, alright? <laughs> We're going to blow the world up today, alright? So we are looking at 2 Peter chapter 3. And um, I do want to, um, you know, I, I didn't know where to insert this, but I'll do it right here. Peter is a lot like me. He wants to get to the finish line as quickly as possible. And uh, Peter doesn't like to dilly-dally around. Those are some good words, aren't they? Dilly-dally around. He doesn't like to drag his feet. He likes to move. And uh, Bob Steele up there, Bob said the first time I preached, I was sitting up on the platform and my, my legs were moving like this. And Bob said, well, man, he's not nervous. He's ready to go. <laughs> Now, I would love it if they would just you know, flip-flop and let me preach and then Steve can do the music. I would love that because I'm usually ready to go when I get up there. But Peter is like that. Remember the resurrection. How that the women, you know, and, and even John kind of laid back and did not go. Well, not Peter rushed right in. And that is Peter always rushing in. Well, that factors into his theology. 
you can go to some people who are experts on the end times. And they've got charts on the walls and they've got diagrams and, and they've got you know commentaries on what's going to happen. And my only thing is I, I think some of them know more than Jesus knows. I, they, they've got it all figured out. Now, Peter is not concerned with any of that. Peter says, I'm going to fast forward. I want to see what's going to happen on the last day, the last minute, the last second of planet earth. And that's what this chapter is. It is the very, very end of time. Peter is going to the last second, the last millisecond. He is at the very end of time and talks about what's going to happen to the earth. Now, that, that's interesting. And um, I know there are some that are theological geniuses, great in eschatology. You know, they're either premillennial, postmillennial, all millennial. And I'm a panmillennial. You know what a panmillennial is? It's all going to pan out in the end. That's right. <laughs> it's all going to pan out one day. But the return of the Lord to planet earth and the end of the world is what we're going to talk about. Do you remember Janet Reno? She died this past week. She was the Attorney General under President Clinton. The first female to hold that office. And Janet Reno was known for many things. One, she was a great advocate to those who had Parkinson's disease. But Janet Reno as the AG, from 1993 to 2001, uh, something happened under her watch, February the 28th, 1993, 100 ATF agents surrounded a compound in Waco, Texas. And maybe you remember this story. It was the Branch Davidians. The Branch Davidians had this compound in Waco. And they had a, a leader who said he was the Messiah. His name, David Koresh. David Koresh was the self-proclaimed Messiah. It was a 51-day siege. It ended on April 19, 1993 when the ATF agents stormed that compound. Four ATF agents died, 26 wounded. David Koresh and 80 of his followers went up in a ball of flames. Now, that was the end of that burning blaze and that messianic movement. But Peter would say that one day, up there in the future somewhere, that's going to be the end of all the ungodly. They are going up in a ball of flame. Now I want you to look at verse number 11. Verse 11 is the anchor. Verse 11 is the anchor of the passage. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people 
ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness. And so, Peter says, because all of these things are going to be destroyed, and because this world is heading to a fiery end, what kind of people are you supposed to be? Matthew chapter 24 is probably the chapter that best describes the end times. You know why? Because Jesus is quoting there in Matthew 24. But in Matthew 24 verse 5, it says, For many will come in My name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. So Matthew 24, 5, at the very top of the list, Jesus says, the end times will be marked by many who will say, I am the Messiah. How many have you seen in your lifetime? Wow, there's a Jim Jones, there's a David Koresh, on and on. I mean, you can find many who claim to be the Messiah. Now, in the midst of this, Peter says there is a certainty about God's timetable. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but verse number 8 says, but do not let this one fact escape your notice. And so, Peter wants to put the brakes on. He wants to slow things down and say, now wait a minute. Don't lose your head. Be confident that God has a plan. And God's plan is not going to be thwarted. God's plan is not going to be moved aside. God's going to march to the beat of the drum that He's established. Boy, I'm confident in that. I'm I'm not worried about who's on the throne in Washington, who's on the throne in heaven is my concern. And so we find that in this chapter, Peter reminds us of the people that we ought to be. Now, if you look back in chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Look at 3 and 4. Know this, first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Now here is the argument. The early church was looking around, saying, James is dead. Stephen's been martyred. John's on a rocky island called Patmos. Perhaps by this time, it was evident Paul was going to be executed. The early church was saying, the apostles are dying one by one. They're falling asleep. Where is the promise of His coming? And so Peter answers that question. Verse number 4 says, everything continues just as it was. Well, the Broadman Bible Commentary says throughout the New Testament, the coming of Christ is held out 
as a motive for right living. The closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the holier we ought to be. The church ought to be brighter today. The church ought to be more evangelistic today. The church ought to be stronger today as we get closer to the coming of the Lord. I don't know when He'll come, but I believe He's knocking on the door. I believe He's close. And so, Peter answers the question of verse 11. What kind of people are you to be? What kind of folks should you be? There are five challenges that Peter gives. And what I like about this, and, and this is just my pet peeve, I, I hear some guys on TV talking about the end times, and, and I want to say, man, listen, you're probably not even going to be around when that stuff happens. How's that going to affect your life today? And so, Peter says, this is how the coming of the Lord is to affect your life today. Here's the impact today. Alright, let's, let's unpack it. Let's go through it. Number one, there is a challenge to expectation. A challenge to expectation. Have you ever expected something and you were really, really changed in your body by that expectation. Mama's cooking. She got one of her apple pies coming out of the oven. Not, not one you buy off the shelf. I mean, this is really... I mean, she got the apples, she peeled them, quartered them, and, and man, they were, you know... Oh, and that cinnamon sugar and, and had a pie crust so flaky. Can you smell the apple with the cinnamon, the sugar? And then you get you a big old dip of bluebell ice cream and put on top of that pie. If you're a Yankee, you get some good longhorn cheddar cheese beside that pie. <laughs> and, and you think about that and your mouth begins to water your taste buds begin to sing the hallelujah chorus yeah you're excited somebody lock the door back there you're excited well there is a expectation about the coming of the Lord the Message Bible in verse 13 says, we'll be looking the other way, ready for the promised new heavens and the promised new earth, all landscaped with righteousness. Woo, I like that last part. All landscaped with righteousness. So, there is this righteousness that Peter says is going to come in the future. The people of God should be optimistic. We should be looking the other way. We shouldn't be looking down. We shouldn't be looking around. We should be looking up. 
Man, I tell you, if you look down, you're going to get in trouble. If you look around, you're going to be depressed. And so you look up at what's coming. 1 Peter, the first epistle. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter said we are born again to a living hope. We have a living hope. Man, we have a hope steadfast and sure. A lot of times in my life I have been disappointed by people, but never by the Lord. His grace, His mercy, His peace, I've never been disappointed in those. Well, hold your spot here, but look over to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21. Now, this is what we are expecting. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. John says, the first one, heaven and earth, passed away. 2 Peter chapter 3 says it's going to be burned up. We're going to hit that in just a moment. By the way, in 21.1 right here, John says there's no longer any sea. Why would John say that? Yeah. But where was John? Patmos on the island. The seas separated him from his loved ones. The seas separated him from his Lord. John says in that day, in that time, there will be no separation. No separation. Alright, let's read on. 2 through 4. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and He will dwell among them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself will be among them. And He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. Now listen, here's the best thing about it. The first things have passed away. Wow, the first things have passed away. John is saying, the things of this world have passed away into oblivion. Now we have a new heaven and a new earth. That is what we are expecting. Because we have that to look forward to, we ought to be an expectant people. Alright, got to move on. Number two. Second challenge. There is a challenge to purification. A challenge to purification. A look at verse 14. Verse 14. Therefore, beloved... Since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, spotless, and blameless. Let me give you three words that you find there in that verse. One is the word peace. 
good Israeli Jew always would greet one another, Shalom, peace. We are also to be spotless. We are also to be blameless. And so Peter is saying, what kind of people should you be? There is this challenge here to be in peace. Not to be quarreling. Boy, can you, can you just imagine in your mind having a knock-down drag-out with someone? And that's the day the Lord comes. We are to be in peace. Spotless. Blameless. When the world is at its worst, God's people are to be at their best. The second coming is a challenge to be pure. 1 John chapter 3, verse 3 says, And everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27 Because Christ is in me, that's my hope. Whenever I baptize someone, I baptized Virginia up there last week. Whenever I baptize someone, I always say, because Christ lives and reigns in your heart, it's my joy to baptize you. The old man is dead. You're raised to walk in newness of life. Because He lives. Because He lives, He reigns, He rules, He dominates your life. Therefore, we are to be a holy people. I heard the story about Dwight Eisenhower one time visiting Denver. Ike went to Denver and thought he would get a pulse of what the country was thinking. Went into a neighborhood and walked up to a door with his aides and knocked on the door. A guy came to the door and he had a cigarette in one hand, cup of coffee in the other hand, a dirty shirt on, and uh, thank the Lord he wasn't in his underwear, but everything but that. He about dropped the coffee, dropped the cigarette when he saw it was the President of the United States. And he said, Oh, Mr. President, I am so embarrassed to greet you looking like this. How many people of God one day will see the King of kings and Lord of lords? And we'll have to say, Lord, I'm embarrassed to meet you like this. Well, there's that challenge. Let me move on. Number three. Number three, the challenge to preparation. The challenge to prepare. That's number three. Look at verse 15. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. I look back in verse number 9. Back in verse 9. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Peter says, God's not slow. God's patient. There is a difference. 
Sometimes being patient can pay off. I can not have patience, walk into the kitchen, and get a piece of bologna, put on some bread, throw some mustard on there, and eat it, and not really be satisfied, but the hunger pains are gone. I can be patient and wait for a good home-cooked meal. God says, don't think I'm not slow. I'm not slow. I'm simply patient. No, God has a way of being patient with you and I, doesn't He? Woo, aren't you glad He is? Mm. God is patient. I remember going to Kenya. When I went to Kenya, one thing I heard over and over again when you talk to people about giving their life to Christ, the number one answer I got was this, not prepared. And what they were saying, they were not prepared to give their life to Christ. They were not prepared to make that decision. Of course, I said, you better get prepared because He's coming for you in death or He's coming for us all in the clouds. There is a challenge here for you and I to make sure people are prepared to meet the Lord. I want you to look in your Bible. I've got a verse here for you to look. Look, look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 2. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, And for he says, At the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Paul would agree with Peter that we've got to be prepared. God is patient. But God has a timetable. God is slow about His coming because He's patient, but the coming will come one day. Alright, let's move on. Got to hit number four. Number four. There is a challenge to continuation. A challenge to continuation. Now look at verse number 17. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. Now, Peter is saying, in light of the Lord's coming, a mark of God's people is that they will continue you got a church directory? Some of you may have the old church directory from here. I think it was like, what, 2009? It's been several years since we've done one here. Probably about time to do another one, isn't it? Um, but every church, you can look at a church directory and you can spot people that used to be here. Some that have gone on, they've been promoted to glory, but others who simply drifted away. 
Far too many times someone will say, I wonder what happened to him. I wonder what happened to her. Well, this is what Peter is saying. He's saying that we ought to be steadfast. Uh, the old primitive Baptists had a saying called the perseverance of the saints that we will persevere until the end. Paul Powell that pastored a, a church in Texas, in Tyler, Texas, had a funny name. Green Acres Baptist Church. <laughs> I always wanted to sing the song. I always wonder if that church had a telephone pole you had to climb up to make a phone call, you know. Paul Powell, Green Acres Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas, said one time, we are to be faithful not just until we're tired or until we are retired. We are to be faithful until we are expired. I love it. Peter gives a challenge to continuation. We are not to lose heart. We're not to have a fainting fit. We are to move forward, press on to the end. I'm looking around the room. Some of you got so much energy. Boy, Lamar, the lady you're sitting by there, LaRose, boy, she like the Energizer Bunny. So much energy. We all need to have a good dose of energy. Continue, press on to the end. All right. Number five. Number five. There is a challenge to maturity. You look here in your Bible to verse 18. Now, the first two words here, but grow. But grow. Peter kind of ends up his epistle saying that there ought to be a growing, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Now notice that Peter speaks here again about the, uh, about the day of eternity. Now, I didn't read this earlier, but I want you to look back up to verse 12 and 13. 12 and 13. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. Verse 13. But according to His promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So again, this is Peter's theology. He's not concerned about the end times. He goes fast forward to the very last day. He's looking at the day of the Lord. It's the Old Testament talked about so many times. The last day of planet earth. There's a challenge here to grow. Peter mentions two things to grow in. Number one, grace. 
Do you see that? But grow in the grace. God's unmerited favor. We receive that, but we're also to give that to others. And then the Bible says here we are to grow in knowledge. Grow in knowledge. Good, healthy, spiritual relationships are not stagnant. They are always growing in knowledge. There's always something else that you can learn in your Christian life. How many times have you read the Bible? Maybe you read the same passage you've read a hundred times and you say this, well, I never saw that before. Well, you saw the text, but you never saw that spiritual truth before. God showed you something new. So we are to mature in grace and knowledge until the coming of the Lord. Let me close today by reading two verses. John chapter 14, verse 3. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The other verse, Revelation 22, verse 20. John says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Lord, everything in this world is so very temporary. But Lord, we are not worried about this world burning up in a blazing fire in the future because we have a new heaven and a new earth. One that looks like a bride adorned for her husband. It's the only way John could describe it. So beautiful, so glorious. Father, I pray that we'll be challenged today by these five things. May we be a holy people. Lord, may we be a people that You would not be embarrassed by when You come again. Father, I echo the words of John. Father, my heart's desire. Even so, come Lord Jesus. In His name I pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a great day.